It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast, where we get into episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here. Joining me today is Charlene Schmidt. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, I, I've heard you, of course, um, from Mission Log Live. We have a lot of Mission Log people on this show because my assumption is if you can break down a Star Trek episode, you can probably break down a Twilight Zone because uh, I, I feel like the thought yeah. process is, is kind of the same, but uh, I, I know you're up to That's some reasonable. Other- some other podcasting as well. Can you tell folks and me about that? <laughs> oh, man, I've been doing podcasts for 10, maybe more years now. I forget. Time is a weird concept to me anymore. I just don't even know what day it is. Uh, <laughs> I started off way back in the day doing the Ready Room on Trek FM and then co-hosting to The Journey, which became Punch It later on. And I still do things with my co-host for those shows, Tristan Riddell. We do a thing called Second Contact, which is a live commentary podcast on the day Lower Decks episodes are released. So we do that. You'll find me on Mission Log Live, and occasionally you'll find me with Virtual TrekCon and that group of folks doing either like Star Trek and Chill or the Orville and Chill, whatever we're doing at the time. It's a live stream, and we're just chilling and having fun and talking sci-fi stuff. So I guess you're uh, about back on for Lower Decks. I, I believe this is airing late August. So you'll yeah, coming right on. up. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, same here. I, 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 I think half of us like we're like oh, animated Trek, whatever. Wait, these are the best shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we were all a little on edge. Like, ooh, is this a good idea? Especially with the comedy Star Trek. Up until Lower Decks, really wasn't doing comedy so hot, but then. Mike McMahon and his crew have blown it away, and it is probably in the top three of my favorite Star Trek series ever already. That sounds about right to me. So, yeah, they are hitting those out of the park. Now, you say you're pretty new to the Twilight Zone, though. Yes, I am. So here is my history on that. Back in college, a friend of mine had the Twilight Zone DVDs, and I remember watching them a couple of nights, and like eventually I just fall asleep to them. So I remember bits and pieces, but very like actual little of the stories themselves, because this was 20 something years ago now. Essentially, I'm brand new, like watching this episode that we're going to talk about today, I feel is my reintroduction to the Twilight Zone. And uh, don't feel too bad on on regularly. I'll put on like an anthology show like the Twilight Zone at Ray Bradbury Theater and uh, usually fall asleep at about the 20 minute mark and then wake up the next morning and be like, what was the point of all of that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I, d- I don't mean that I, I was bored to death by watching Twilight Zone because I fell asleep. No, we're watching it at midnight. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Same with with uh, with me. Um, actually, I'm, when I watch Voyager, it usually takes a few nights for the same reason. But <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's usually not bad. There, of course, there are a few of those, but uh... oh, there's it's got its <laughs> moments, though. I mean, and I love Voyager, so <laughs> I, I know fully well, though, that it is not a perfect show. Uh, today's episode is the man in the bottle. Uh, I'll lay out just a little bit of trivia. And if, if you think we've been talking too much Trek so far, I'm going to give you a little more in the trivia. So <laughs> yay! air date was October 7th, 1960. And we've got a Rod Serling script for this one. Don Medford already directed the episode, a passage passage for trumpet, and he will return to helm three more twilight zone episodes. While the music here is quote-unquote original, it has been repurposed from last season's episode, What You Need. Luther Adler played the dual roles of Arthur Castle and <clears throat> Adolf Hitler. He had already mm-hmm. played Der Fruer in the films The Magic Face and The Desert Fox, uh, hence him being asked to do it here. 
Most of his career was on Broadway as his father was one of the founders of Yiddish theater in America. As with any good Hitler actor, uh, Adler was Jewish. He also found himself blacklisted for a time in the 1950s, but I have a feeling that being blacklisted didn't bother Rod Serling that much because a, a lot of, I think he, I think a lot of people are like kind of getting um, their first Tinder hooks back into the industry with uh, the Twilight Zone at this time. So nice. Edna Castle is played by Vivi Janice. She appeared in films such as The Phantom from 10,000 Leagues, Man on the Prowl, and First You Cry. I just like the title on the last one. I don't know that movie. <laughs> Joseph Ruskin was the genie. He showed up guesting on a host of television acting and sci-fi in the 60s. And as Trekkies will note his many roles in the franchise, playing Galt and TOS's The Gamesters of Triskelion, roles on Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, and he showed up as a Sona officer in Star Trek Insurrection. This gives him the hat trick of appearing in every iteration of the franchise before his death in 2013. So I'll be darned. I didn't know he did that much. Yeah, I'm like, well, I guess that explains why he looked kind of familiar. <laughs> he, yes, and he did look familiar. I just couldn't place it. Um, it like Deep Space Nine is a, a Klingon in two episodes, so obviously he would have had a ton of the makeup, you know, prosthetics. Uh, I think he was a Vulcan on Enterprise. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to go super heavy writing the trivia part, so I, I did see those things, but did not put them into my own notes. <laughs> That's cool, though. I guess I'm throwing up the prologue. Uh, you can read it however you want. I've, I get a lot of Serling impressions. I've had people do like redneck preachers. So, you know, whatever your feelings. <laughs> I, I'm just going to read it, read it. Let's see what happens. Mr. And Mrs. Arthur Castle, gently and infinitely patient people whose lives have been a hope chest with a rusty lock and a lost set of keys. But in just a moment, that hope chest will be opened and an improbable phantom will try to bedeck the drabness of these two people's failure-laden lives with the gold and precious stones of fulfillment. Mr. and Mrs. Arthur Castle standing on the outskirts and about to enter the Twilight Zone. All right. And let's bring that screen back. So, um, yeah, you're getting, you know, one thing about Twilight Zone is that the flavor of the episodes are very different. Uh, when we were setting up one, this was the light one. The other was the heavy one. So uh, your, your entry is is a little more fun. Like this is one where I mean, every I think even when it aired in 1960, everybody knew what the twist was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not the most complex story. No, it's simple. It is a little predictable. But you know what? That is not necessarily a bad thing, in my opinion. If I were watching this at 10 years old, I would be enamored with it if this was my first episode. Oh, if you're 10, this might be the first time you heard this story, though, though I guess it's something you'd hear pretty early in elementary school. But, um, you know, 60 years down the line, a lot of these episodes, even if you haven't seen the episode before, you might start and be like, I know where this is going because it's kind of in pop culture. <laughs> so sure, sure. So the, the main thing is like in that preceding 20 minutes, like how what how well are they doing it, which is the strength of the right. show. They usually do it pretty well. So um I, I guess my question is, how dated or not dated did this come across uh, watching it? You know, interestingly enough, it did not seem that dated. First off, we're dealing with an antique store. So we're dealing with stuff from different time frame. And this could have been an antique store today, as far as I'm concerned. What was your interpretation of that? Um, mine doesn't count for the production of the show. Uh, again, I watch a lot of anthology shows. So what comes to my mind is um, some of the 80s shows, like the Friday the 13th TV show, which takes place from like kind of an antique store. Um, what's the other? Okay. The, the Highlander TV mm -hmm. series. He's It's sort of this setting, which might be the reason because he's a Highlander. So you want it to feel like, you know, timeless. Maybe that's why it's set there. Uh, Friday the 13th could be the same idea. Um, I haven't seen that show since the 80s. So I don't, I think they would have like, cursed items in their store and there'd be a story about that or something. I, I don't quite remember. <laughs> you know, more than I do. I have never watched the show. No, this is, this is, you know, Saturday afternoon and like the late eighties. So that's, I'm working on memories that old. <laughs> gotcha. I was, I was a smaller kid in the eighties. So watching scary stuff really wasn't for me. I would watch unsolved mysteries before bed and it would give me nightmares. So that's what I was working with. <laughs> 
Well, you want to get that fi- fight or flight response before you go to bed, right? <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. I'm surprised my mom even let me watch it. Probably begrudgingly, right? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, is I still managed to go to sleep. It's just I would have nightmares later about yeah. what I watched. Yeah, yeah. A lot a lot of the Twilight Zones will give you the nightmares still. Uh, even now, this this one won't. I, well, I don't know. The genie's, nah. the genie's face could show up in your nightmare, so... <laughs> That okay, that seems plausible. Yes. <laughs> I mean that's it's, okay it's, though. I mean, you know, you, Disney movies show up in your nightmare sometimes. It's it's weird how that works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a spontaneous memory popping up. Why in the world did I think about this? It's been 30 years. Uh, one thing with Edna Castle, um, she's relatively sensible the whole time. Like, this is weird. This is, you know, she's probably read the monkey's paw before. She knows where this is going. And then <laughs> When he comes up with the worst of all the ideas, that's when she's just suddenly like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> OK, I'm really glad you brought this up. I did not understand why she was suddenly on board with this idea of all of them. The worst one. <laughs> no, Edna, no, <laughs> no, Arthur, no. I think this is one. It's probably pretty likely I have seen this one before, but it's not one like I remember well. And my note um, just before that is when he's thinking about the the final wish to to be you know in charge of countries, he's wishing to be Hitler, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Now I did not predict Hitler, but I knew that this was an awful idea. If you are wishing for irrecoverable power, this is not going to end well for you. He does not think this through at all. And you would have thought after the whole thing with the million dollars, he would have just taken a little bit more of a moment. Maybe he and Edna could have talked this through a little bit, but no, they seem to lose any common sense between the two of them whatsoever. It's quite sad, actually. Actually, my expectation was they would have something very Hitler-esque, but I didn't think they go directly to, you know, 1945 bunkers and swastikas, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, they went right for it and they were front and center, weren't they? But, but learning that the actor had already done Hitler a few times, it made sense. Like, it was it? Yeah. Is, is it Bruce Greenwood who's like played JFK on like multiple occasions? <laughs> oh, golly, I'm not sure. There, there's Possibly. Been a few act- there, there's someone who, you know, they, they usually at different periods of time, you know, those in different productions, they'll grab the same guy to play Lincoln or something, you know? So sure. I, I think right. Cause they got the look you, you sign him up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, so what are the, the wishes here? The first one, the first one's a million dollars. No, the first wish no. is to fix the pane of glass. <laughs> yeah. We're starting out very small and conservative just to see what happens, which maybe lulls Arthur and Edna into a false sense of security. Yeah, that fourth wish is, is the one that's the uh, dangerous one, I guess, right? Because it's you get three <laughs> wishes, but he's like, no, I'll give you a test wish. I'm going to let you have three legit wishes and, and one just so, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm not full of it, right? <laughs> I did wonder about that fourth wish because you always hear about three wishes. He's doing a fourth. That told me that this genie has uh, been around. He has done this a few times. He knows what's going to happen. <laughs> and he's prepared. And uh, of course, I think all, um, I shouldn't just assume all of us have seen Aladdin a lot, but most of us, have, you know, our, our vintage probably have. And uh, <laughs> sure. And I was like, you know, Robin Williams, genie, like does not want to be in this in the bottle where this guy is like he must have like a man cave in there or something because he seems perfectly happy <laughs> to go back in. <laughs> Maybe it's like the Doctor Who TARDIS where it's a lot bigger on the inside. He might have a really luxurious room in there for all we know. Yeah. Or maybe he just shrinks himself and, you know. He lives in a bottle world of his own. Right. Maybe he's only like micro inches here. That could be it's the follow up episode, a bottle world of its own. I like that. <laughs> there you Yeah, we need the follow up. We really do. So, um, yeah, I wish number one's a bit small. Um, Edna, at this point, does have the right idea. I did find it interesting in her um, protesting. She goes with the word unholy. <laughs> yeah. So. This is just coming, I guess, from the fact that maybe she's a religious person. That's the context I get out of it. Yeah, which does, I guess, make a genie like a a little more problematic. Right. I mean, that's the same. Basically, it's a demon uh, from a Christian perspective, although demons uh, in old school can be good or bad. They're just, you know, outside sources. 
So yeah, or she's just getting creeped out by the very idea, and that's the word that came to mind mm. as maybe sacrilegious or something. I don't know. We didn't get enough background to really know the context of that word, but it is a choice for sure. Right. Well, in the Middle East, they have the, the jinn, right? So that's kind of that's where the genie directly come from and would be the analogous idea to Western daemons. Do it the Greek way so we can include. Sure. I, I like the idea that it's, you know, they're more or less tools. And uh, although uh, they will trick you if they're the nasty ones. Right. So <laughs> so th- right. this is a nice, nasty one. He's got a he's almost got a nice smile, except for the fact that it's super creepy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is a little creepy. I didn't think he was an evil guy, though. It just he he comes out, he's summoned and he's going to do this thing. He kind of knows that this is going to end badly. But what did he say? Every once in a hundred and one years. Yeah, this happens. Exactly. So, so. <laughs> he reminded no, would- me for whatever reason of the meme of condescending Wonka by the way that he talked. Okay, oh, you really think you're going to do a million dollars, huh? We'll see how that goes. Sort of like that. Yeah, Willy Wonka actually is sort of, you know, like the the emotional beats are sort of similar where people keep, you know, in that case, they're just wishing for candy and meeting horrible ends. But <laughs> <laughs> true, true. We call a million bucks, uh, you know, candy if you want. So, yeah. But yeah, the first one is the, the Dr. Evil Wish. He only wishes for a million dollars <laughs> <laughs> only a million dollars which of course backfires and we knew it would i mean i'd take it yeah and you know when the irs comes calling don't don't leave a giant pile of money on your floor that's that's rule number one <laughs> yeah again not thinking one they didn't think it through because the whole tax-free thing the genie calls him out on that but then yeah he's also getting fives and tens that's a lot of bills for a million dollars. Condense that just a little bit and haul it to the bank, man. Put it under like, the mattress, something. <laughs> Low budget uh, Uncle Scrooge, you know, with his big vault of money. So they, they just <laughs> roll around in a pile of bills. Um, yeah, I genie, guess maybe that was the idea. The genie just, just kind of hang out waiting for things to go wrong. He's just kind of sitting in the back, leaning and like, you know, with the, with the creepy smile on his face. So <laughs> he does. He's just going to sit and watch and he's entertained. Shouldn't he like go away for a while or something? Hell, is out of his bottle. Go go get some Mexican food, right? <laughs> if I were him, I would definitely yeah. <laughs> get a burrito while you still can, bro. Oh, my note was, do you have to wish for him to go away? <laughs> is that a wish? Oh, like, that's a really good question. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Is that that could have been the fourth wish, right? <laughs> like, OK, we're done. Now, Can you go now? That would have been a better that. Yeah, that would have been a better uh, twist. No, it wouldn't have been a horrible twist. <laughs> well, let's say Arthur was about three times smarter than he was about this whole thing. And he got three really good, well thought out wishes. That's how this would have ended. But yeah. that's not the moral of the story. Here's the weird thing, though. Uh, and so far in our conversation, we've made Arthur sound like an idiot. But it's shown at the beginning. He's, he's got like a kind heart. He helps the lady with her, you know, Absolutely. bottle scam. Uh, what does he do with the one million? He starts giving it away, you know, like, uh, yeah, we just heard a few episodes where, you know, just spread your money like fertilizer. So it'll grow. So it's <laughs> like his heart's in the right place, but he's still like getting shafted. I, I guess that's the thing with, yeah. you know, being handed genie wishes. It, it, it doesn't. I mean, well, let's, Aladdin also gets kind of shafted from his wishes. And other than stealing bananas and stuff, he doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Arthur. He really has been down on his luck in this whole time. And he I, I think that helps him pay it forward, which also backfires when he's only got five bucks left after he gives it all away. And then the IRS takes almost the rest of it. Yeah, I do. I do wonder if in 1960, as soon as you see the money pile on the floor, like is IRS the first thing that goes through your mind at that point? Hmm. <laughs> now it does. I now really don't like, know. <laughs> that much money, you're going to get taxed on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did the genie summon the IRS agent because he showed up awfully fast? Yeah, like who reported exactly? Who reported this? Did someone like be given like fifty thousand bucks? And I was like, I'm going to go report this guy who just gave me fifty thousand bucks. That's that's super not cool. <laughs> no, it had to have been the genie, right? Yeah, I was like, you know, it's not a bad time to just peel off to Bermuda for a while, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Have you not heard of offshore bank accounts at this point in history yet? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's that's wish number two. 
Oh, okay. Wish number three, of course, has to be the horrible one because wish number four is on wish the number worst. Three. Yeah. So, um, j- just before he makes this, I w- I was wondering if this is like a mildly psychedelic death of a salesman, you know? But uh, <laughs> but then I'm like, only a psychopath wants to be the head of a country. So m- maybe. this is a very good point. <laughs> so, what is this saying about Arthur? Is he just not using his brain because he thinks power is going to be awesome, or is he deep down like got some secret life going on here? And then that is when his wife decides, like, instead of like making him try to think more, I, I guess I'll just be an enabler now. <laughs> Why? It just completely detracts from everything else that she's been doing up to this point. I almost wish she was the one who had the wishes because she was the one who was actually trying to put the brakes on things and say, wait, 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 let's try to be reasonable about this. But Arthur, definitely on the more impulsive side than she was. It's it's funny because, um, like I told you, I, I teach kids and sometimes we're you know practicing English and doing moves for a game on the board, you know, and um. I have a kid that come up and especially when they're like a little older, like 12 or 13. And they, I'm like, come on, you have a little bit of strategic mind, don't you? And they just make like a terrible, terrible move. I'm like, are you <laughs> sure you want to do that? They're like, yeah. Are you sure you're sure? Like, yeah. They sit down and then me as the next move or another student, you know, comes and trounces them. And they're like, oh my God, I didn't see it. I'm like, warned you like twice like look at right? it again and think about that it that should <laughs> have been your clue there to try again because <laughs> the genie even the genie's like i can do that but are you sure you don't want to reword that a little bit first <laughs> like read the room <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> he's even he's really trying to guide arthur to doing the better thing here and he's still just Mm-mm. there's no hope for the poor guy <laughs> so, maybe this is why he's so unlucky he's just not putting things together he's nice but he's dim i guess so <laughs> maybe or his his logic uh centers just aren't cranking the wheels like they used to maybe he's not a spring chicken anymore he's not old but he is middle-aged maybe he's just not used that part of his brain enough to keep it nice and running this might be a fun place just as a um you know like a late stage sort of re-edit of this episode where we you can keep the dialogue and everything but now we take out the bunker scene and just put in that meme of downfall and then put author's dialogue in as as uh as hitler screaming do you know what i'm talking about mm, no i really don't okay there, there's a movie um downfall which it, it's a very good german movie oh wait yeah you know the meme. sorry okay. no and i now i get i remember okay. this yes <laughs> so i'd like to just so many like, memes yeah, n- nothing wrong with the scene in this, but I mean, it's a very small bunker because they have a budget, but <laughs> take, yeah, the down- yeah. take the downfall one and just yeah, put in the dialogue there. That could be kind of fun. <laughs> that could be kind of interesting. <laughs> Somebody, if they haven't done this already, needs to get on that and make it happen. Yeah. Now, the other thing, just because I do a lot of reading and think whack ideas, um, as when if he's if he's suddenly transported to become Hitler in the the bunker, does that mean he's now also whacked out on amphetamines? <laughs> oh boy, he could have been right. Yeah, if I, he's I'm... in Hitler's body, Hitler's body has the amphetamines, and he is Hitler, so therefore, I, I don't know why was I looking this up. A few weeks ago, I was looking up. Someone mentioned like oh, because someone mentioned we don't know exactly what was the last picture of him. Because it would have uh-huh. been taken like three or four weeks before. He, it's not like they were taking photos in the bunker, right? True, was, yeah. But the whole point was, and some of it was like in the spring, you know, winter, spring of 45, his health decline was so horrible. Part of the part of trying to figure out when the photo was taken was just how bad does he look? <laughs> right, because if you've ever looked at those before and after photos of meth users, their first photo, they're, they're usually like young and they look fantastic, bright future ahead. And then in the second one, they are 85 downtrodden, missing teeth. It looks terrible. Um, and, and this isn't any word on politics because this is every president is the same thing. If you look at the beginning of their term and the end of their term, it does not look at all like they have aged for eight years. It looks like they've it aged ages 20 or 30. Yeah. Yeah. So, you it's know, hard work. That's one thing I'll definitely worry for Biden. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's already 79 now, 
Is that right? Yeah, and he, well, I'm just saying he started off, you know, when he was inaugurated, right. he already looked really old. So that's because he was. <laughs> we, yeah. we might. I'm I'm thinking, especially if he goes eight years, we're gonna have like the crypt keeper by the end. <laughs> oh my goodness, he'll just be like a withered old man, barely moving around. Yeah, wrinkly flesh. That's all we'll see. Poor guy. Oh, and I, I don't do. Know, we'll see. Um, what we're gonna get back to the episode a little bit, but um, you. Were you uh were you watching this on I don't know Paramount Plus or a disc or? I was watching on a Paramount Plus, yeah. Does it have the bumpers at the end, like a little bit of network adverts? No. Okay, I'm just mentioning. Um, I've already recorded. Actually, yesterday I recorded the the episode that comes after this, and uh, there's a shot just of Rod Serling, like looking at you, and then you're looking down on a room. And it's just hmm. like very vertigo inducing. And I didn't mention that. Uh, Interesting. In that episode, okay. So. I missed this entirely. Oh, maybe I'll just send an image because it's it's so weird. It's kind of hard to explain. But um, <laughs> getting back to this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the last thing about the episode proper is like, I'm pretty like they seem to be struggling, but it can't be that expensive to replace your glass. <laughs> I don't know. What were glass prices and installation like at this time? Maybe I it was more at a premium than it might be today. It could be. I, I, yeah. How? I mean, you slide them in. I don't know. Anyway, that gives like a little character. Anyway, have a, a shattered glass pane or antique store somewhere. I guess. Right. <laughs> well, it would be like an easy replacement, though. So if you just get the pane of glass, maybe you could even do it yourself. Yeah, if it slides, you know, it wouldn't be uh -huh. that big a deal. So I guess that's the thing. That was know. the first. That was the first wish. So, um, you know. He could have just made that happen on his own without too much trouble. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Although giving away a dollar to the old lady was a big deal. So yeah, maybe that, they are, maybe things are kind of dire there. Yeah, I was about to say they could sell some of it off, but it's the place you already sell it off. So I guess you can't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, I, I have a few questions about each episode. Um, All right. There, I, I thought that, well, they're vague enough that people take them any different ways. Uh, the first one being who exactly in this episode went through the Twilight Zone? Ooh, boy. <laughs> At first, I would say Edna, actually, because her mind is racing with possibilities and she's trying to get a grip on this. But then I would say by the time Arthur is Hitler, it's him. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. He He's flipping out. And this is absolutely not what I thought. No, I want it all back. Yeah. As, as soon as you like open your eyes and you're Hitler, I think you're definitely got your feet firmly planted in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned Edna being in the Twilight Zone in the earlier part, because I felt like that weird switch in demeanor when she suddenly like, yeah, let's make wishes like that was kind of the switch flip and we've seen that in a couple episodes now especially with the female characters where it's like somewhere in the episode like the key gets turned and now they're like they've lost their agency or they're a different character whereas the huh. male the male characters tend to get more just like you know frantic and um hysterical like it's like their character doesn't change they just go off the rails off right the but interesting this, this is a theme huh it's uh that's the thing of doing every episode in the twilight zone you start to notice because i'm just thinking uh some examples would be um the chaser i mentioned the the love potion one where the, you know once she takes the potion she's suddenly lost her agency completely um there's, huh. a, there's another recent one that had oh yeah yeah um a world of his own where the characters basically discover they're not real <laughs> so and, and ah. that's Kind that of would send you off the deep end. Yeah, kind of changes your personality. So I don't think anyone was like, hey, let's let's, you know, just change these women completely. But it was 1960s television, which is progressive for 1960s. Like, you know, <laughs> the guys yeah. hiring blacklisters, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting dichotomy just because it's you could write it off maybe as a sexist thing. But if the guy is kind of going off the deep end in a way, too, it sounds more like a pattern of the writer. That could be the case. I'd have to. I don't think Serling himself wrote all those scripts, but I'm sure he had a hand. And you know, like, well, he was definitely approving them in first and second season. Sure. So, so maybe um, it's a Rod Sterling thing. I don't know. Well, I noticed. Um, uh, again, I'm getting into the future, but uh, 
the next two episodes, both also written by Serling, have him bringing up Mortal Kombat. So, you know, when I'm making my notes, oh. of course, I'm writing in all caps, Mortal Kombat, right? But <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's the thing. I'm like, well, that's something where I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't like, oh, I, I'm going to use it two weeks in a row because it's a cool phrase. It's just it, that's where his brain was at the time where that phrase seemed like one to use. So, right. Also, Maybe. they didn't have VCRs back in the 60s. You were going to watch this program and then be on to the next one. You may or may not see it in a rerun. They weren't really thinking about maybe long-term value of rewatching shows, I don't think. that That is true. So um, the second question I ask, so I guess we can leave this for Edna and um, author, is did they deserve their trip through the Twilight Zone? Ooh, Arthur deserved what he got. Yeah, he did wish for it. <laughs> yeah. Now, did they themselves deserve to go? You could make that argument just because they are down on their luck and this could have given them a fighting chance. But I don't know. I'm a little on edge about that one, and I can't completely put a finger on why. I think I see the genie as being a little more malicious as you like he's like actively screwing with these people you're like beetlejuice or something you know the the couple in beetlejuice i i would say really deserved what they got i mean the people that move in later of course did but <laughs> but so what you're saying is like this couple really didn't deserve to be tortured in a sense by the genie why did he pick him why couldn't he have picked some horrible person that deserved to burn and stuff like that Exactly. Because I'm like, you know, a life lesson isn't really like wishing yourself to be Hitler. I don't think we need that life lesson. <laughs> no, let's now, not. Now, the life lesson of you get a million dollars out of nowhere and they're going to tax 95 percent of it. OK, that maybe that's a lesson to know if you're running a business. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and he is. So you also think maybe he'd have a little more sense in that. But again, impulsive decisions lead to bad consequences. It really is the whole be careful what you're wish for adage in practice right here. It's a simple story, but I love that. Maybe they spend too much time basically by themselves. Because again, even when he's wishing for his million dollars, I was thinking, not thinking that was actually going to be the plot point that he should say a tax-free million dollars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like even for me, I'm like, say tax-free, dude, because they'll, they'll come for right? it. They did. Much faster than expected. I, I thought there'd be like a time jump or something and they'd be like, we bought this car and now, oh crap, you know? Because <laughs> I mean, Maybe the get, budget didn't wasn't able to accommodate a futuristic car i mean they come out five bucks ahead right and since the one buck at the beginning was a sacrifice yeah right so sometimes of five course, bucks is you nice. know what they're gonna have to use that five bucks to replace the glass because except he does break they, it at the very end yeah except it seems it's been broken forever anyway so you know maybe they're too he's lazy. probably just gonna do it again and again you might as well get a couple more breaks in there while you're at it <laughs> then but, replace it but yeah, I guess I like. I guess that makes sense with a you know a genie maliciously messing with people. So, um, the, you know, I think the genie is basically of the Twilight Zone, which is, I mean, the word genie itself sounds Twilight Zoney. So it's sure <laughs> he's got that chaotic energy that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't do this now because everyone would expect like a manic Robin Williams genie or something. I didn't see they the, would. I didn't see Will Smith's genie. I don't know how that worked out. So. <laughs> Yeah, I can't say I watched that either. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I I do another podcast where I where, like look at Disney movies, but I can't really be bothered to watch the the live act the live action ones. I'm like, well, they're just animated again, but in CGI this time. <laughs> there you go. Especially a Lion King. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's literally an animated movie again. <laughs> I don't Maybe know, man. Good. My my wife hates the Lion King because there's the um the 80s uh the white lion anime and she's like it strips that off so she has, <laughs> she, she's got a bone to pick with the lion king <laughs> all right all right that sounds fair i enjoy the movie myself i just it's just funny how much bile she because i guess as a child she really liked the 80s japanese one so gotcha then there's the american one that becomes super popular i i still have a of course uh, i still got something in my crawl about the minions because oh hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone loves. I, I I I have a thing about them because um we really loved Mega Mind. Like, why why didn't Mega Mind become the big sensation? <laughs> 
Okay, I've got to ask, what's Megamind? Exactly. Uh, it was an, <laughs> it, it was another CGI um, superhero, like well, kind of super villain film. Excuse me, Megamind's a villain. Uh, who, who? David Cross. I think maybe it was Will Ferrell doing the voice. But we love that movie because oh, it it came okay. out about the same time as Despicable Me. And uh, oh wow, <laughs> so, and it did not get the notoriety. Right, we Despicable saw both Me movies. You know, I got Despicable Me. It was like okay, but Megamind that was great. And uh, hmm. again. It's 2022 and you're like, what's Megamind? So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also not the biggest connoisseur of kids movies, or at least movies that are kind of the target audience for kids. Yeah, I don't have what, kids. So. Right, right. And I had a, a, a toddler at the time. So if we were watching now, now there's no animation, you know, 13 year olds don't. Well, except for anime, but I can't watch the yeah. anime because she's like, dad can't be in the room when I'm watching anime. Oh. <laughs> We even we even we went we went to this movie theater last weekend. She wanted to see a, a, an anime there, and we had to like wait in the lobby. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Well, okay. it's got, well, you know, thirteen. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it had like mildly smutty humor in it. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> but it's embarrassing if you're there, Dad. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's it. I mean, I wasn't like. You know, I, well, I was like, hey, maybe I'll go see another movie. You know, Thor had just come out at the time. But uh, uh-huh. but the anime was like 68 minutes and Thor is like, what, two and a half hours. So that wasn't going to work. Yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's a disparity for sure. My third question is um, the tripometer. Uh, previously, when and when we were all blogging, I wrote psychedelic record reviews and would do quality and the tripometer. Just how trippy is it? from uh, zero being not trippy at all to five being really, really trippy. And that depends on like your definition of the word. So uh, Hmm. I've had cases where I'm like, I give it a four and they give it zero, but you know, like it's too real. So it's not trippy, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) This one doesn't strike me as super trippy and I'm sure the twilight zone can get really trippy. For the record, I'm going to have to watch more Twilight Zone now just because it is an anthology series. I can watch one episode. It's a complete short story beginning with an end. And then I can go on and I, I'm not like hanging and I I could get it done quickly, like over lunch. So I, I'm sure there's far, far more of a trip factor than this. This seems very low on the scale. And I'm just, I'm just going to go for a two. Okay, that that makes sense. I'm going for three just because I'm like, ah, you you suddenly find yourself as dear Fruer is pretty trippy. <laughs> and just- it it is. I guess it's the predictability that takes it down for me, where it, it was no surprise that he became Adolf Hitler. I, I guess for me, it's because again, I probably saw this like 25 years ago, and maybe kind of subconsciously remember. But with with the tax thing and the Hitler thing, I was like like kind of snarkily thinking that <laughs> and then oh, oh that's exactly where they're going so it was predictable but i'm like haha wouldn't it be funny if they did that oh they are doing that okay cool so <laughs> that that could be like where my extra point comes from like they were like yeah yeah that's exactly what we're doing have fun <laughs> okay that makes sense <laughs> but um no like uh oh i, I don't want to spoil episodes for you excuse me i haven't seen that many but uh yeah and if you already watched them the, the nice point is that like there's not even like a two point two parter or a sequel. At most, right. you'll go to later series and find a remake of an episode. But uh, you okay. know, it, it does bound itself with you know we have to have like new original ideas like every time, which which I like. Um, Ten years ago when I was teaching, if I told a good joke to a class, I wouldn't tell it to the next class. I'd be like, I already told that joke. I can't use it again, even though it's like completely <laughs> different people. Uh, that at that time I was also teaching adults, so. Maybe they maybe they'd read that I was like just playing it again, you know. Now that I teach sure. kids, yeah, I'll I'll do the same joke in every class all day because they all giggle. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> and by now you probably know it works. Exactly, and and I'm a little more, I guess I'm, you know, confident that uh, well, you know, they or just understanding that I'm the only person here that knows I'm repeating myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. They don't know that. Right, because ten years. They don't know ago, how many other classes you're teaching. Yeah. It's 10 years ago. Maybe it's like, well, I won't be entertaining myself because <laughs> I've already done it. <laughs> but again, the kid reactions, I guess you're still entertaining yourself even when you're uh, repeating it. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. Nothing wrong with that. But 
Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking since this is your sort of re-entry into Twilight Zone, um, is, the, is this like the, a quintessential episode? That was I, a question I had for you was, how is this episode regarded in the Twilight Zone canon? Is it looked upon fondly? Is it just okay? I would probably give it the just okay. Like, I, again, I usually don't go for these quality. So everything in it's like well-made. But it's it's using you know, what a Robert Louis Stevenson story. It's using the monkey's paw, like it's using like stories like people know. So okay, uh huh. It, it doesn't maybe have quite the originality of like a a real sharp Twilight Zone. It doesn't. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. A good one might a really good one is gonna you know have you thinking about the nature of reality or you know having a feeling of existential dread which this one doesn't do this one no shouldn't, you know, like we said this one shouldn't be giving you nightmares unless just the genie's face is going to pop up and in, in yeah nightmare. unless adolf hitler though maybe is popping up in your dreams that's stuff of nightmares yeah what, what but yeah otherwise oh yeah jojo monkey I, I still haven't seen that where the, the boy's like imaginary friend is hitler or something <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen that either. It's, it's, it's a guy that directed the last two Thor movies, and I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> oh, and see, I'm awful about superhero movies. It's just not a thing that I really have been into ever. And I know there's a gazillion of them now. I don't go to the movies that often. <laughs> Actually, podcasting, I've kind of fallen off the, the superhero wagon because I, I was like, you know, super down with the MCU and, um, one of my other podcasts is talking about sci-fi films. I was like, man, we'll probably be doing like a third of the movies we do will be superhero movies. I looked back uh -huh. and it's like we did Spider-Man 1 and 2. We did we did like a 70s Spider-Man TV movie. <laughs> we, did, <laughs> we did an animated Batman. We did Batman Begins. And that's it. Three years of podcasting. That, that's all the superhero movies wow. we got to because we just we quickly found like there's not that much to talk about. We did Spider-Man 2 and both of us, uh, my co-host is even a more massive Spider-Man fan. And both of us like, I think we said everything we wanted to say about Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times it's the same kind of story, just a different hero and their capabilities. And I don't know, I'm not terribly into action flicks that are just loaded with amazing, mind-blowing CGI. It's just not for me. I'd rather be watching Star Trek or uh, my other favorite, Beavis and Butthead all of which is on Paramount Plus now, which is fantastic. They've got me as a customer for life. And there's so much other content with streaming services these days that I can't keep up with TV, much less that, and movies. It's just impossible. I just, uh, for this podcast, I posted the episode uh, Mr. Beavis a few days ago, and I spent 20 minutes looking for like a great Beavis quote. And then I realized uh -huh. oh, it's, it's spelled differently. I can't really get away with it. Oh, <laughs> darn. Well, I ended up putting up uh, the entire, you know, the the header for the podcast is uh, just a, uh, you know, WWBD question mark for what would be mm -hmm. okay. This do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you want to, if you are like, I want to think about Beavis and Butthead in that context. Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I fully support that. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> I, I, actually, I do need to have a look at that because it really has. I think the last time I really saw a lot of Beavis and Butthead was the time of that first movie in the late '90s, which oh, I saw in the hey. theater and all that. So that that's yeah. something maybe I I need to like re um you know reintroduce myself to. <laughs> yeah, do they are starting to bring back the classic episodes with the videos that aired with it. And that's not happened since the show aired in the 90s, because I'm sure they had to finagle a lot with getting those rights. But ever so slowly, they're bringing those back. And there's also a new movie that's streaming, and it's called Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe. Yeah, yeah. I, I You're mixing your sci-fi with your Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> exactly. Because um, my parents didn't get cable till I went off to like school. So the only like on the air beers and butthead I would have seen would have been like at friends houses with the video because I do remember mm. seeing it with the videos and stuff but uh you sure know. <laughs> I, well I, they were playing it all the time on MTV yeah yeah that's that's I guess that was their last ditch attempt to like actually show videos <laughs> uh, yeah it was pretty close to the end I think yeah <laughs> another one that uh this one's way more obscure but it, it's Alex Winter's project from you know Bill and Ted uh uh-huh and he had a show uh, there's probably only like 10 episodes of the idiot box which was sketch comedy with videos so one episode oh. you get like 
probably 10 minutes of content but hey you actually now that we do streaming comedy um i know was it tim robinson's show is usually like 10 minutes so <laughs> yeah you can <laughs> like, do anything time limits are not an issue now it's kind of nice yeah yeah it is, it is. so <laughs> um is there anything else you want to throw on this episode I, I don't know if i answered your question uh firmly about about how this one stacks in the twilight zone because no you did you did was that the five questions uh three questions oh it's three sorry about that i don't know maybe I thought I, it was five maybe i could i could like try and think of two more <laughs> no, um, that's okay that's okay, okay no here. i think the the uh, big takeaways from this episode are fairly obvious like be careful what you wish for, maybe something about how the grass seems greener on the other side. It's really not, you know, you think being rich would be awesome, but really that comes with its own set of rules and problems and stuff. And maybe to appreciate what you have, even if it isn't much. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, being happy and being wealthy are very much two different metrics. So absolutely. Yes. We like I mean, to equate them as the same thing, but they are not. Cause you have very rich, very happy people, but you also have ones that, you know, are like, you know, ready to just see the world burn. So <laughs> exactly. And you can have very little, but have a very rich life at the same time. And also realizing that just because you don't have money in the bank doesn't mean things won't come along. <laughs> right. Right. So. And maybe there is hope for Arthur yet because he does seem like a good person. Maybe something is going to work in his favor by spreading kindness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he clearly is not a good analytical thinker, but <laughs> yeah, maybe, but maybe he doesn't need a genie for good things to come his way. Maybe he's, in 101 years, in 101 years, he'll find the genie will find himself facing someone that can actually like think through things. <laughs> Either that or he shows up and I don't know, it's an elderly Elon Musk or something <laughs> who has destroyed the world by this point and the genie. Jeannie, you know what you got to do if that happens. Just go, do do it, destroy or it. <laughs> or they're too busy playing VR games to notice the genie's even there. That, that, that'd be fun. Oh, that that could be. <laughs> yeah, the metaverse just takes over and nobody cares that there's a genie. Right, exactly. It's like, well, I make anything happen in my metaverse. I don't care about your your analog mysticism. <laughs> right. I just wish for it in the metaverse and it's here. What do I need you for? Um, I guess we'll wrap up today. So, uh, Sharon, it's, it's somewhere in the in late August. Uh, if, if you want to tell people what you're up to from, a, so I, I think this, I, I don't know if you're going to the Vegas or not, but I think we're talking post Vegas when this airs. <laughs> post, well, I'm, I, I do plan on going to Vegas. That's probably going to be the, the big thing happening for me in August. So how was it? Uh, <laughs> I hope it was amazing. <laughs> Other than that, I will be doing my live commentaries. Well, not live commentaries, but my podcast commentaries with Tristan Riddell for Second Contact as soon as we have Lower Decks up and firing again. So be on the lookout for that if you're interested in Lower Decks. I might have to go in for that because I, I, I need I need a little more Lower Decks chatter, I think. so. <laughs> yeah, if you can't get enough Lower Decks, come listen to us and we'll talk about it more. As for this podcast, it is Time Enough Podcast. We're Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook, and we're part of the Patreon podcasting umbrella of Podcastio Podcastius. Come support us there or just use it as a source to find our other podcasts where we talk about sci-fi flicks at Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. And there's plenty of uh, stuff for the gamer there as well with Luke Loves Pokemon and Monster Mash, which talks about Monster Hunter and the Game Game Show. I'm I'm not a gamer anymore. I I've become an if, if in the if for gamers I've become an embarrassment. I just I, I play you know puzzle games on my iPad now. Like a <laughs> hey, there's uh, nothing wrong with puzzle games. Like, They're awesome. Like someone in a retirement home. <laughs> hey, it's good for your brain though. <laughs> That's what I keep telling myself. You know, I I can't be... say that about the Sims. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I try to be busy on a p iPad though. You know, making music or reading books. You know, I, I try not to do hey. too much gaming. So. Productive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But not when I'm playing a puzzle game. So <laughs> um, oh That's yeah, right. yeah. Okay. You you have to make a wish. What what is do your wish for the genie? <laughs> mm, do I say it out loud or do I just make the wish? You have to tell the genie the wish, I believe. I don't think he can read your mind. Do you? Oh golly. Okay, <laughs> I did not think this through. Kind of like Arthur here. 
Hmm. You know what? No, I do not want to wish for anything. I'm pretty content. I'm good. Come back in a hundred years, Jeannie. They do point out you can't wish for more wishes. Can you wish for less, less, less wishes? So be like, I'm out. <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. Or one. is your first wish, Jeannie, would you go away? And then that's it. You're done. You cancel your other wishes. i uh-huh.